We Infuse Podcast, episode number 38. Welcome to the We Infuse Podcast. My name is Dylan McCabe, and in every episode, we give you a seat at the table as we talk with infusion center owners and practice leaders and industry experts so that we can give you the tips you need to remove the limits on your own practice. Now, in this episode, I'm going to talk with Kelly Kane. He's had a lot of experience in the industry. He's currently the COO and co-owner of LiveWell Infusion, and they uh, LiveWell Infusions, and they actually own AICs and manage AICs. AICs across the nation. He is a top-notch leader. You're gonna that's gonna come across during our interview, but he's really gonna dig into some of the key metrics you need to focus on in your business. He's got a no-nonsense approach, and he's also just gonna give some real light bulb moments they've had while owning and managing infusion centers. You're gonna get a lot out of this. So let's get into this interview with Kelly Kane from Live Well Infusions. All right. As I mentioned, I have a special guest on the show today, Kelly Kane. He's the COO and owner of LiveWell. So, Kelly, thanks for joining the show. Hey, thanks, Dylan. Really appreciate the time. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I was looking forward to this because when I was an account executive with We Infuse, you guys were one of the first clients that I got signed up in my new role. And uh, it was really cool just knowing what you were doing at the time and the amount of infusions you guys were doing, multiple locations in your experience. So I and fast forward to today, a, a lot has progressed since then. So kind of like to give you a chance to just share with our listeners, who are you? What's your background? Stuff like that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I am a pharmacist by training. So graduated from University of Montana in 2009. Uh, kicked around a variety of different, tried, tried my hand at a few different things, long-term care, government contracting, retail, compounding, um, settled in on compounding for a while. And I was at a company that we were expanding. And right before we met you, Dylan, we had gone into specialty pharmacy and grown that out and done accreditations, kind of done everything we could as an independent pharmacy to put ourselves on the map. And quite frankly, got frustrated that PBMs were still taking our orders. So our sales team was cranking. We were getting good orders. We did everything everybody asked. We had ACHC, we had URAC, we had everything. And we were still getting our orders diverted to Optum and Briova. So we decided that we needed to go about this a different way. And to us, the logical answer was, let's go around the PBMs on this area we're buying bills, not controlled by them. And let's start an infusion division. And we knew of people on the East coast that had done it. Um, people, people know the, the big names in the game on the East coast. So we knew it was possible, but we literally started from scratch. And this was probably about six months before we met you guys that we infuse um, really just kicking the tires on what's the best way to do this. What's most efficient. How can we scale this? Uh, but it was truly from, from ground zero. Uh, so it's fun to watch it grow and uh, to keep evolving, keep getting better at it. Yeah, that's awesome. And you have a you have a military experience as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, good memory. So um, I my dad was in the Air Force for 25 years, uh, so kind of moved all over. My wife has been in the Air Force Reserve for 17 years now, and I have been in the Army Reserve for a little over eight years now. So we stay busy on our weekends. Um, it's good. We both enjoy it. Glad to serve the country uh, and get a different get, get a different little look at life. It was funny. The uh, I was a pharmacist already, obviously, and had been for a while. I was older when I joined the military. I was twenty, about twenty nine at the time. So going to basic training with seventeen year olds and all the recruiters are like, you know, you can be a pharmacist in the army, and it's like, we'll make you captain, and it's easy. You don't have to do any of this stuff. And to me, it was just the challenge of doing something new, 
doing a different occupation. I mean, I, at the time I'm like, I get enough pharmacy during my week and I'm plenty busy doing that. I need something different. That's going to challenge me. So I entered the reserves as a, went to basic training and then officer school and then engineer school uh, for six months and was an engineer platoon leader for a while. And then recently I've kicked over to civil affairs, um, which is a little more specialized, but really enjoy it. Um, miss my kids when I'm gone, but it's, it's worth it. My wife and I are on the same page with that one. It's good stuff. Thank you for your service. Really hey, appreciate you. that. Um, I could, I'm, I'm not going to even go off on how much I appreciate the military and people who serve, but uh, really do appreciate your service. And I, I think it's cool how the experience you've had in the military and even now I know bridges over into leadership and organizational, you know, leadership and management skills that help your, your business thrive. So tell us about LiveWell. You're, you're an owner and COO at LiveWell. So what does LiveWell do? Yeah. Uh, so we started LiveWell early 2020, right around February, right before COVID hit. So awesome time to start a new business. Awesome time to, to see what you're really made of um, as you've got everything geared up, ready to go, and the nation goes on, on lockdown. So our vision for LiveWell, uh, my, my fellow owners and I, who we were at a lot of the same companies together, is we had, we had observed the changing landscape of infusion. AICs are popping up. AICs have a great role for alternative sites of care. Um, and are a big piece of our puzzle too. We do those. But we also saw where the larger groups have now realized through uh, good marketing by the good management companies that there's revenue to be had uh, for your patients if you're a large group. If you're a large room, rheumatologist, you're a large gastro, you're a large neuro group, the odds of them offloading all their patients to you is pretty low. They, they understand there's a value to the patients. They understand there's a revenue source that could be generated so as we grew and our vision was, we can't be one size fit all. We need to be a hybrid and we need to be adaptable to the market. And certain practices are going to be better for one thing and some are better for the other. So when we approached LiveWell, that was exactly it. We don't want to have a split between what we call MSAs, managed service uh, agreement companies, and AICs that are owned by us. Um, and that's kind of the route we've gone. Uh, there's certainly a role for pharmacy in there. Um, people that are in this industry know Products like IG um, and certain other biologics do pay better and are better served on the home infusion front. So that's our third leg that we are just about opening is a home infusion component that will complement those first two. But yeah, that's that's how we approach it. We, we, we're in the biologic game. We're not antibiotic people. There's nothing wrong with that. But we're this, this is the business that we're in is the biologics and good timing for everybody with better therapies coming out across a variety of these disease states. So yeah, that's the LiveWell's. That's LiveWell's overarching vision. Okay. So you guys have got AICs that you own and you've also got practices that you help manage. Correct. So what, how, you know, let's clear the fog on that for, for people listening to this, that maybe it's a provider that owns an infusion practice, a rheumatologist, or maybe even a group. And maybe they've had conversations over the last year or two years thinking, you know, maybe we need an MSA. Maybe we need somebody to come alongside and help you know, if we're to be honest, we're, we're really strong on the clinical side, but it seems like the business side, our, our limits are in our business acumen, and that's kind of holding us back a little bit. Uh, what, what would you say? What's the one thing that you would say if, 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 if this is an area of struggle, you may want to consider a conversation with us? Sure. Yeah, the, the, I'll give you two. The two that jump out to me is anyone that's been in a busy doctor's offices, they know the strain that's placed on an MA. An MA is expected to run around all day, take care of the patients, take care of the doctor, take care of this, take care of that. 
The idea that you're going to ask and trust that MA in the middle of all that to go authorize a potentially $600,000, $500,000 infusion a year um, and do it successfully and do it right and not ever mess up. I think that's a big ask. And I think that's a, a likely fail point. Um, I, I think that's too much to ask of MAs in general. You know, if you have someone that's devoted to just doing authorizations and you're good at it, awesome. You know, that's, that's great. But in general, most offices don't have a devoted person that can sit there and do the painstaking work it takes to authorize an infusion that costs that much money down to the detail where you're confident you're going to get paid. So that's number one. Number two is, do you have the financial carry as a provider or a group to front the money for these drugs where versus pharmacy, you know, pharmacy, you hit your, your submit claim button, it shoots off to your clearinghouse and you know, you're getting paid. You know, you get that confirmation, that warm blanket on you. You don't get that in the buying bill world. It's all what you're doing on the phone and your level of detail and the person you're talking to on the other side. So that's really the two things. Does, does your staff have the time to do this successfully? And then do you have the confidence in them to carry that financially for, you know, you're looking 20, 20 Ocrevus, you got a big carry on your hand. So those are the two things we approach doctors and say, Hey, this is, this is where we think we'd fit in. Um, and kind of started at that conversation point. You know, it's interesting you say that getting into the MA thing, <clears throat> it's such a key, you know, the people component of your business. It's so critical to have the right people in the right seats. And, you know, when I think right seats, that they're in a role that they get, they want, and they've got the capacity to do it. And that's where I think a lot of practices fall short is they're, they're putting people in a place where they're, they don't have the capacity. Um, and then that creates problems. It creates stress. It creates poor decisions and so on. And then you talk about the other thing, which is cash. Um, you know, I love entrepreneurship and, and love talking with business owners. And uh, I would I would think if you were to ask most providers or uh, business owners, what's the key financial metric? They're probably going to say revenue or something about gross profit or even net profit. But really, it's cash. Right. I mean, so you cash. can you you can go really far in revenue. But if the cash isn't there, you can end up filing for bankruptcy. So I think it's conversations like that, that you guys can get people in and pull them into tough conversations and needed conversations about that is just critical. So that's awesome. I, I think it's great what you guys are doing. So what would you say is a big thing you've learned um, about running an infusion center, an AIC, as it pertains to that cash component? What's one key takeaway that you guys have learned so far? Oh man. Yeah. You're speaking my alley. This is when we were doing consulting, we did that kind of in the gap there in 2019. I did a lot of consulting and a lot of startups, um, even really big companies too, but it all hovers around what I would consider the three big things for AICs. And this, this will answer your question is yes, you guys want a nice infusion center. And of course we're going to take care of patients. That's always the goal is take care of patients. But if you're looking from a business perspective, you need three things. Did you spend the time, money and effort on contracting credentialing to do it right? Because all this is great, but if the payers don't recognize it or you're underwater, you're doing a lot of work for, for nothing. So that's one. And I think that's a big challenge for a lot of people. Number two, do you have a sales strategy to grow this? This is not a business where you can dabble and get five, 10 patients and be happy and be comfortable. And you're going to pay your bills and your overhead that way. It's just not going to happen. If you're, you're either in this or out of this, in my opinion, unless this is just a side gig that's you're kind of you know playing around with. But a lot of companies we talked to didn't have a sales strategy. Um, and it differs from... I know home infusion pharmacies, they're great at going to hospitals and they're great at going to dis, uh, dispatch or dis, discharge planners. 
uh, to get the Vancos, to get the Daptos, but that's not this world. You're not getting Remicade. You're not getting Okravish. You're not getting Tepezas from the ER and from the hospital, from the discharge. That's Your sales seems way misaligned at that point. So do you have a plan and are you willing to commit money to that plan for a sales training? And then three, operational, like to your cash flow question, who's doing your intake? How good are they at that? Do you understand copay assistance? How does your revenue cycle look? What's your plan to keep your DSO down? Like those are all things that you just can't hope to get into. You need to have a plan before you start. Otherwise you're just throwing money in the wind here. That's right. And the dollars are too high to make a make a costly mistake. There's plenty of other business models where you can make mistakes and um, get people their money back and do all kinds of things. But man, you can't do that in this, in this yeah, line you're of at work. The, you're at the big boy table in Vegas, you're playing. Um, and quite frankly, we've had MSAs in the past. So doctors that they were burned by, quite frankly, it can be just a couple of patients, right? Because if your billing cycle, let's say their billing cycle is 90 days, which I'd say is not very good. I, you probably have three infusions during that period. So you have three that are unpaid before you even realize they're unpaid. And how many times did that occur? You know, so the ability to dig a hole very quickly is a challenge in this industry if you don't know what you're doing. So that's where I caution even the people I consulted with. Like the most important thing is take care of your money, tighten up this off. If it takes more time, so be it, because you will save money long term and you'll be much happier, sleep better because uh, it's all about cash. So what's, what's your best advice for that? If, if people have to watch the cash and people have to have, you know, um, a system in place where they're protecting themselves from getting in over their skis and stuff like that, what's one major piece of advice you would give? So twofold, um, I'll probably go reverse order here. And this pertains to doctors as well as AICs and the billers you hire, because you can go online and Google medical billers and, there's a lot of good companies. Um, maybe in the house, you have a really good person that does it, but are they familiar with biologics and the burden that is, this is not coding. This is not an E and M where you lose a hundred dollars if you plugged it in wrong, but do you have the familiarity with buy and bill biologics to chase these claims and make them pay you? Because if you did your auth right, they're going to pay you. That's the reality. You have them. If you have it done right, they will. But I've seen billers that this just isn't their thing. And they're so used to, hey, we got to crank out X number of uh, claims a day that they put the same priority weight on a $30 checkup visit as a what a $30,000 infusion. And that's way offline. You know, you have to you have to zoom back out and say this one claim is worth 100 to 1000 fold times that E&M visit. So that's a big thing. I always think billing is very important and who you partner with or if you do it in house, like how do you how do you guide them in that? That's always an important discussion. And I always fall back. Intake is the cream. That is, you can't start this business without that. Sure, you can do Medicare and subs. That's easy. But when you start getting into commercial claims with prior auths, like you need somebody that ideally has done this before. You, you can't take someone off the street and say, hey, here, go do this for us and expect it to be successful. It's just not going to happen. That's a good point. And I, you know, that's one of the things I love about we infuse the the software platform is it dramatically simplifies all that. You know, you're thinking for a biller, for somebody that has to pay attention to a lot of different details, you have very clear red or green lights based on where things are at. You don't have to wonder, oh, wait, where is that in the process? Where is this in the process? It's all in one spot. So I'm not yeah, going to camp out. Early. You alluded to it earlier and I'll, 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 pump, I'll pump you guys up. I'll give you, so for We Infuse, so we, we adopted it early um, in 2015-ish, if my memory's anywhere near right, um, what a lot of people were doing, and we infused knew this because they, they built it, they were jimmy rigging other systems to make it work. So whether you were taking a platform, 
I won't say the name, built for home infusion and trying to manipulate that to be a infusion center software. Not so good. Didn't work. Were you trying to take an EMR that exists free on the market and manipulate that? Not so good. So what we infused it is it really for inventory, multiple, I'll back up for multiple sites, especially inventory management, authorization management, patient management. It put that all on one platform for us so that we were able to scale and we were able to move across state lines and have very good success with it. It's good stuff. Yep. That's why it's it's easy to be passionate about it, even as a podcast host, because I know how much it can help people. Anytime you simplify a system, I really feel like one of the, you know, one of the top five leadership qualities needed to lead well is to simplify. Yep. You're constantly trying to reduce complexity. So it's, that's good stuff. So what would you say, you know, having multiple AICs and you have a lot of experience with this and as, as chief operating officer, you know, you're really trying to systematize, streamline, you're trying to have a really good grip on, on a well-oiled machine um, so that people can be served well, so that patients can be served well. Um, what's one of the biggest challenges you guys have come across? Maybe even a true story where things just went haywire and then we'll get into what you learned from that. Yeah, the one that jumps out to me, um, and I, I am a big advocate of MSAs. I think it's great to partner. Um, I, I think a patient that can be served in their prescribing office, I think that's awesome. If they're used to that doctor, they're comfortable with the staff, that most likely is probably the best place. Now, they're lacking the ability to do that, which is which is good for us. But uh, if you had to pick one spot for the patient to be, I'd say you want them in the neurology office. You want them in the gastro office. But the challenge on the MSA side, and what I always tell my staff is, if they were finely tuned at this, they wouldn't need us. And our expectation that this is as important to them as it is to us is a assumption we need to get rid of. Because to us, this Remicade, this Intivio, this Zolaire is the most important thing happening in that moment and for that day. But the reality is this practice is seeing 100 patients that day and their MAs are doing this and that and they're doing labs, they're doing vitals, they're doing everything that just because it's super important to us doesn't mean it's super important to them, which means that we need to step up and we need to create a process where we take the burden off them as much as possible. So when we go into these, I go and tell my team, hey, expect the worst, expect that there's no organization and that we are going to help them streamline all of this and make this as easy as possible not only on the doctor that signed us up, but the MA, take that lift off them, take it off the office manager. So I think if you can like readjust your mindset about this, um, if they were functioning perfectly, they don't need us. Like that's the reality. If they're really good at this and there's a lot of rheumatology and oncology practices that are very good at this, you're not going to sign them up. This is what they do. They've been doing this for years, but the offices that haven't or have that hesitation go in expecting that you need to help them simplify their process and streamline this to make their life easier. And then we have a good relationship. It's a partnership at that point. It's not a contract. It's not a us and them. We are in partnership with them to serve their patients and everyone wins. So when you say they, if, if they were really good at this, they wouldn't need us. What do you mean by good at this? Like what's a scenario? Just if you could think of one practice where you came in and it was uh it was a super bumpy process with a lot of things delays, mistakes that shouldn't have been made, what, paint a picture of, because of, some people may think, some people, you know, providers listening to this may think, I think we're pretty good at this, but uh, I, I'm not sure, you know, what, what, how, how do you, how do you rate somebody on a scale of one to 10 or, or how do you go in and assess just in a, in a real life way? What's a, you know, almost like a case study of a situation where you guys looked in and, and saw, wow, they, they really need some help. You have to say the easy thing. Um, and this is, this is the good 
the good part of biologics is it's your, it's chronic, right? So it's every month, it's every two weeks for Zola, it's, you know, this or that. Are your patients being seen on time? And that's a very easy thing to track, right? And I'm not asking them to dig into KPIs and dig into metrics. I just want to know, did your patient receive the number of infusions that they're supposed to during the course of the year? And normally the answer is no. And then we go into, okay, why is the answer no? If they were supposed to get 12 infusions and they got 10 this year, what is, what's the holdup here? And I can tell you from experience, typically it's an authorization holdup. It's a scheduling holdup. It's a lack of communication with the patient holdup. But there's something in that process where not only you are missing out on doing another two infusions, your patient's missing their dose. Now they're behind on schedule and now they're now their disease state's kicking back into play. So if I sat down with someone and that was the only thing we looked at is, did your patients receive the number of doses they're supposed to within a, you know, I'll give them a window. Normally the answer is no. And then from there, it's a pretty easy discussion on why it happened. And, and again, it's, it's, we have the time to get these authorizations done. We have, we infuse, we have some tools on our hands that allow us to track this so that when that auth expires, we already know we're good. That next one's covered. We got you next month. We'll see you. There's no, oh man, we're in a real pinch here. It's three months later and they haven't had it. That doesn't happen, you know? So that's the easiest answer to that question, I think. Okay, so what's a key takeaway from that? If you if you could tell somebody listening to this that's an owner, an infusion center, a provider, and you were going to ask them that, you know, are, are, are they getting the number of doses in a year or whatever? And they may think, well, yeah, we have a scheduling challenge. You're like, no, you, you got to know. So what's the number one key takeaway from that? I've done this. I've opened or helped open 60 or 70 of these now I've managed as many as that you should here's my answer you shouldn't have that problem that's the reality like there is no excuse to me why you can't get someone in 12 out of 12 times or six out of six times if you've seen the other side of this I've seen when it goes bad and I've seen when it goes good if you do it right there is no excuse and I think that would be where I'd start and it, it very polite like there should never be a time where your patient misses a dose because of something you did that's just not unacceptable to me so maybe harsh, but I think that, I think they know that. And we're all, I mean, doctors are too, they're in this for patient care. They want everyone to be better. They don't want the patient to be two months behind, but they have a big burden to carry at the practice. You have a big burden to carry at the AIC. You have X number of lives you're taking care of. You shouldn't be missing doses. Like that's, that's the blunt truth to anybody that wants to do this. You know what though? I think to, I think to thrive in a practice um, and in business, you really need that healthy uh, accountability from other business owners. You need you need to be able to have somebody coming in saying, hey, I think you're doing well over here, but I think this area really needs some improvement. You need somebody that you can bounce ideas off of, somebody you can test your own assumptions off of. And that's kind of part of what you bring to the table. I mean, after working in all the AICs that you have, after being a chief operating officer um, and a part owner in a, in a business, in an infusion business, you can come in and you can say, Hey, here's the bar. You were thinking it might be over here. You got a buddy across town over here. You, you got another provider in another state over here. They, they all think the bar is in different places. Here's the bar. We know this. Um, and I think that's really healthy to have kind of a healthy punch in the chest. Say, Hey, here's what we need to be doing. You know? So that's it. That's, that's it. And you kind of alluded to it. I tell my team and my managers like, Hey, first off, remove the emotion from it. I don't, there's no, this is a, this is a conversation about efficiency. It's not about emotion. It's not about this reason or that reason, but to your points, and this is, you know, some of the army stuff, I know these big companies pay people and send them leadership school. Uh, I've, I've had better leadership training than just by enlisting in the army and going to officer school and doing this. And what I get, what I gathered out of that and my time in services, 
we do a lot of 360 feedback. So not only is it important what your boss thinks of you, it's very important what your peers think of you. And then also the people that you manage, what they think of you. And are you able to have that frank discussion, good and bad with everybody? I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. Uh, same goes to the doctor, but you should be able to have a non-emotional discussion about how to improve something. And I think that's very important for anybody starting a new business out there. That's so good. Yep. Data-driven discussions. You know, if you've got, if you have, if you have your hand on the pulse of your biz, the business side of the practice, then you can make wise decisions and avoid costly mistakes as well. So that's really good stuff. So let's, let's share another story with, with what you guys have been doing. What was a pivot point where you realized, you know what, we've made a decision to incorporate this practice or this value or this part of our, that's essential to what we do every single day in our AICs and also as an MSA, what's kind of a light bulb moment you guys had that really improved your path to, to growth and to success? I'll give you a good example. This is from a few years ago. We were rocking and rolling the AICs. We had uh, multi, over a dozen open and we'd gotten to that point where it became very data driven and this number of patients, this number of treatments, we're doing this, we're doing that. And the bottom line showed it, we were doing very well, but we also had to remember the important part of this when we went into it was to take better care of patients. So when the new ALS drug came out and this is a number of years ago, Radicaba, it's a challenging deal for an AIC. So you're talking, if I, I believe it's the first two weeks, they have to come in literally every day. I don't know a lot of AICs that are open seven days a week. I don't know a lot of nurses that want to work seven days a week. The medication, if you have ALS, the odds are you are a probably on Medicare disability or you're on Medicaid because how financially challenging that disease state is. Um, and we made the decision that we were going to take every single Radicopa patient that came our way. And that really reinforced our employees that it's not all about the money. It's not all about how fast can you get this authorized? Like these are true patients that most of them passed away. I'm sure all of them have passed away by now, um, unfortunately, but this is a very people driven world too. And we can't just look at the numbers. You need to zoom back out and realize why did you start this business to start with? And that one for me and for all our employees is like very impactful. We probably, I'm sure we lost money long-term and it's fine. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was totally worth it for us as a company and as a team to take that challenge on. You know, that's good. I think, I think that's what, that, I mean, that's what causes pretty much everybody to get into this uh, type of practice is it, it really is a people-centered practice. It's a people-centered approach to to what you do every day. You're, you're dealing with people with chronic diseases and you're helping them. You're a big part of their lives. And that's what it was so impressive to me, you know, coming into the world of infusion from the outside uh, and, I, you know, realizing that a lot of these people spend hours in in an AIC once a month or once every two weeks or whatever, they become like family. And that comes through in a lot of the podcast interviews we do that a lot of the people we have on that you can tell that's their heartbeat. They, they are all in on the patients. I mean, we had one podcast interview where um, uh, we, the, the person I interviewed even talked about giving one of her kidneys to her patients. Wow. I mean, we're talking about being all in to change that's people's awesome. lives. Yeah. So knowing that, knowing that, that that's critical, that's the core that's got to be the hardest. It's all about pe the people. At the same time, if you don't get the business stuff really rain tight, you can't serve the people. You can't really focus on the people. And so it's both, you know, it's, it's, it's got to be both. So uh, I just think that's, I'll that's I'll piggyback that. The, um, the ICs, and we've had them, you know, obviously a lot of places. And it's not always possible for 
our intake team, the one that really deals with these people daily and hourly, you know, they're spending a lot of hours with these people. It's not always possible for them to, to stop by, wave, say hi. But I know for each and every one of them, to a person, they'd say the ability for when someone is in the office just to come by. Now, this is pre-COVID. Come by, wave, say hi, say, hey, nice to meet you. I'm glad we got this all figured out. Each of them would say to a person that that's very, very important. And one of the best parts of working at NAIC is the ability to see this thing all the way through. And at the end of the day, the patient's getting the fusion, everybody's happy, and we move on. Like you said, we, we do it again. <laughs> It's good stuff. So knowing what you've been through so far and where you guys are at with LiveWell, what are you excited about as far as the next three to five years in infusion, knowing what's what's headed our way um, with your experience? What are you looking forward to? So we joke, or I don't know if it's even a joke. Um, and AICs, I'll exclude MSAs to some degree. There's a little more complexity there. AICs remind me of 2015, 2016. I remember going to the Assembia Specialty Pharmacy Conference in Vegas, and it was this big deal. Everybody's there. All the all the specialty pharmacies are there. It's a real showcase of who has money and who doesn't. But it was like the buzzword of the day. Like, man, like this this was a conference for pharmacy, but everybody, all they could talk about was specialty pharmacy, specialty pharmacy, specialty pharmacy. And you left there, and we we'd been doing it for a while. And the two takeaways was uh, you're a couple years behind, and do you really understand what that means? Um, and I kind of feel that way about AICs. I mean, I, I get calls all the time. We, we've stopped doing consulting. We did it for a while, but I want to get in this industry. And so the first, it's a heart to heart of like, how much are you re- really willing to get into this? Um, I, I think it's great. The more sites, the better. There's plenty of business. There's hundred plus billion dollar industry. So I've never worried about competitors, but the part that excites me is, are you able to see the challenges of the marketplace? Are you able to evolve? Are you able to create hybrid models like MSAs to make this work? Are you willing to put a pharmacy in to really complete the loop? Like that whole thought process of like, I'm going to put two AICs down. I'll tell you right now, like that would not satisfy me as a person intellectually or as a business person. I want the challenge of we want to grow this and we want to be the best at it. Now, how do we do that? And it's not one size fit all. It's not, hey, do this over and over again. There's some things that have to change by state, by region, by market. That part I love. I love the adaptability and I love where this industry is going, where everyone's aware that this is a very critical piece of our infrastructure. Uh, Now, how do you do it the best? And that's what I like. That efficiency is what I like. That's so good. Yep. You focus on solutions and helping helping people do better, helping practices get better. That is exciting. And there's there's a positive, uh, really positive motivation there. So, Kelly, I'm sure there's going to be some people listen to this and think, you know, I'd really like to tap into Kelly's knowledge a little bit more. How how can people get in touch with you and, and learn more about LiveWell? Yeah, no, that's that's great. Um, I'll shout out to shout out to Reese and Reese is like the network king of Infusion. So he normally puts me in contact with people. But please, everyone, if you hear this and you want to talk like love meet, meeting new people in the industry, love networking. But Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y at LiveWell, L-I-V-W-E-L-L, Infusions with an S. We like to do more than one.com. Kelly at LiveWellInfusions.com. Reach out. Love to network. Love to meet people across the country. So um, we're passionate about this and we like meeting fellow people that are that way too. Good stuff. And of course, if you're driving somewhere and listening to this, just Google LiveWell Infusions. And of course, you can listen to this podcast again. And Kelly gives out his email at the very end. So Kelly, thank you so much for being on the show, man. It's a pleasure. Hey, really appreciate you having me. Thank you for for letting us on. That was awesome. All right. Great interview with Kelly. I really like what he uh, dove into with systems, especially are you seeing your patients on time? Are they getting 
are they getting seen on time and are they getting all the treatments that they should get in a given year? And if not, there's actually probably multiple things going on. I really like his no-nonsense approach, his attention to detail, and at the same time, the the passion to make the patient first. So if you want to learn more about Kelly, you can just Google Live Well Infusions. And I like that he also gave out his personal email. And if you haven't done so already, you need to do yourself a favor and schedule a call with one of the We Infuse account executives and see what the software platform can do with you. It is the only tailor-made solution built by Infusion Center operators and managers for Infusion Center operators and managers. You will be blown away, I guarantee it. All right guys, this is Dylan McCabe with the We Infuse podcast and I will catch you in the next episode. <music>